0: Dave, welcome to the podcast. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, now, you are a chemist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of chemist are you?
1: So the work I do here at PCIGR, I guess I can consider myself an analytical chemist, while well, my technical lab title is research technician.
0: Okay, excellent. And PCIGR, uh, just for those of us who don't know.
1: Oh, PCIGR stands for the Pacific Center for Isotopic and Geochemical Research, and we do... Uh, not only isotopic work but also trace elements and other uh, services that you can look on the website that we provide but i mostly deal with the analysis of radiogenic isotopes
0: okay uh what are those radioactive or
1: so they're the radiogenic isotopes are the i guess you can say the daughter of parent isotopes that are the radiogenic or sorry that are the radioactive part of the element once a an element passes through time, uh, depending on its half-life, it ends up from a parent isotope to its daughter isotope, and we measure the ratios between the different ratio uh, the different, I guess you can say, abundances between the, the parent and the daughter of these elements. and from these ratios we can get some pretty significant uh, geochemical data.
0: Okay. Is that used for like dating things or?
1: Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, these are for geochronometers as well as for tracing uh, rocks from their mantle sources. And isotopes can be used f- for a whole lot of applications from uh, anthropogenic um, metal contamination to paleontology for uh, isotopes and bones.
0: Cool. And what time scales are we talking about?
1: Oh, from solar system formation to uh, the genesis of the Earth, and just uh, basically uh, universe as we know it, if we can detect elements that far.
0: Wow. I admit, I once googled elemental dating and ended up in a very strange website. I think it was a a dating site for the academically inclined. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at what stage in your career are you at? Are you a student, a researcher?
1: I would say that uh, I'm a non-academic scientist. I don't really conduct my own research, nor do I interpret the data of the um, samples that I work on.
0: Okay, that's a perfect way of describing a a lab tech. (laughs) What's your academic background?
1: So I studied here in UBC uh, in chemistry, and I graduated with my Bachelor of Science in 2017.
0: Excellent. And did you always know that you wanted to be a chemist?
1: I suppose that uh, chemistry was just a way for me to kind of experience all the sciences. It's a very central science, and it definitely has a hand of most physical sciences. And I was, in my um, undergrad, I was more drawn to the analytical side of chemistry because of how mechanical and technical these instruments are. There's just so many ways to analyze a sample, from uh, burning it with an open flame, to digesting it and separating it with resins, to even... uh, roasting a sample so hot that its electrons come off.
0: (laughs) You sound like a Bond villain with your samples. (laughs) In your research or in your career path, have you made any discoveries, either uh, something that's new to the world or even just a discovery for yourself that made you go, uh, aha? Uh,
1: Like I mentioned before, I don't really do my own research. And the data I provide, I don't really interpret it myself. But I do hope that the data that we provide to our collaborators can help them find new groundbreaking uh, technologies or findings within our Earth.
0: Excellent, that's a great, uh, a great mindset to have. Um, now, I pulled you out of the lab for this interview today, uh, but what were you working on before you came down to be interviewed?
1: So, you know, as a lab tech, we kind of do the not the same thing every day, but we do follow the same procedures uh, throughout the course of, let's say, a sample contract. What I mostly do is the separation of rock samples into four different uh, isotopic elements, which are lead, strontium, neodymium, and hafnium. What I do in the lab is I digest these samples using a variety of acids. And then through somewhat long hours in the lab, I separate these elements from the uh, digested rock sample using a variety of column chemistry resins, which these, the sample slowly goes through a plastic tube full of this uh, plastic resin, which allows me to extract, isolate, and purify these elements. And with the uh, elements that I get from these resins, they are able to be run on the multi-collector ICP-MS or the thermal ionization MS here at New BC.
0: And why are you doing this? What information are you gleaning from this process?
1: Well, like I mentioned before, the ratios are what is most important of these isotopes. But these ratios are, I guess, a fingerprint in a way of these rock samples that allow us to get information on how old these samples are and where in the earth that they're originally from, Uh, like the mantle, for instance.
0: And how do you um, define the origin of a rock? Is it the last time it was um, molten or or what?
1: Uh, That's a little hard for me to say since it's a bit beyond my academic background. But yes, uh, I guess that you would say the origin of the rock would be from the mantle source itself.
0: OK, excellent. Uh, one of my favorite um, parts of these interviews has been hearing about people's field stories. Um, now, I know you work mostly in a lab, but in your uh, in your studies, did you do any field work, any field trips?
1: Uh, so, yeah, like you mentioned, I haven't done much uh, boots on my dirt, uh, sorry, dirt on my boots uh, work in the field, but as an undergraduate in the Department of Chemistry, I was able to go on something called uh, co-op, which I'm not sure if this is uh, a thing in here in the EOAS department, but in chemistry, we were able to go on paid work placements either here in BC or even internationally. I did my work placement in Stanford, Connecticut, where I worked with the SciTech Solvay group as a I guess um, specialty chemist, where I worked with uh, surfactants with um, one of my supervisors there, Dr. Shalesh Madhmoudar. He was an incredibly great mentor, very enthusiastic about his work. And not only that, he was really inspiring since he was also enthusiastic about showing his research team how important our work was. Although admittedly, our work did involve (laughs) the use of surfactants in the fracking industry.
0: So you mentioned that surfactants are used in, in fracking. Is that how you got into geochemistry uh, from straight uh, chemistry?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess you can say that. Um, my work at the SciTech Solvay group was more analytical in nature than um, regular organic chemistry formulations. And that combined with my work experience at a local uh, testing facility, uh, SGS, I was able to uh, gain, gain more analytical chemistry background with the use of their um, analytical instruments and i was able to bring my industrial experience to here at pcigr where uh, dr dominic vice hired me and uh here i am now i guess
0: excellent <laughs> um you clearly enjoy your work uh but what's the best part about it in your mind
1: uh, i guess the best part would me what well, for me would be that after all these long hours in the lab I can finally load it on something more concrete on, uh, for, say, like the new Tim's, where once I load the instrument and start heating up the samples, I can finally get some actionable data, some raw numbers out of these samples that I just see as a clear liquid for most of its uh, time in the lab. As well as a uh, PCI-GR is also a collaboratory facility where we work with students and scientists and it's always great to hear the stories behind these researchers uh, works.
0: Do you have a favorite collaboration that you've worked on?
1: Uh, not favorite per se but most of the students and researchers that I've worked on everyone has or everyone is so enthusiastic about our work it's um, well th- most of the theories are lost on me since I'm not As specialized as they are it's just so great to hear the enthusiasm behind what they're doing and even though maybe most of them would consider the lab work to be the most arduous part of their uh, of their samples aside especially compared to doing field work I think that it's um, yeah working with these researchers uh, really helps Bring the science to life in my opinion especially knowing the context behind these just these powders in these liquids
0: you get to be a part of all of their stories
1: mm-hmm, for sure
0: is there a project that you'd ever want to take on
1: uh well i'm not sure if a project like this will ever come into pci gr doors and hopefully it does but working on meteorites would be a fascinating subject to learn uh, At the goldschmidt conference there was a a whole series of talks working on the ryugu asteroid which turns out to be one of the most pristine uh i guess you can say sample materials in in our solar system compared to meteorites here on earth as it's not really contaminated by terrestrial uh, elements such as like the water
0: that's the asteroid material that was brought back by the japanese um, space agency right
1: Yes, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the name of the shuttle, but you are uh, correct.
0: (laughs) Excellent. I had to search my memory for that one for a bit. Now, of course, not everything is sunshine and roses, um, and we always have a cloudy day. Um, What's the worst part of your job or the most challenging uh, part of your work?
1: Uh, Maybe not the worst or the most challenging, but I guess the most monotonous would be and the dish cleaning, a lot of our materials that we use in the lab are plastics, uh, both reusable and consumable. And to make sure that there's no contaminants and to make sure that there's no lasting uh, residue from previous samples, we have to make sure that our plastics are individually cleaned, uh, not only with soap and water, but with uh, quite dangerous acids. And while, of course, we do emphasize safety with our procedures, we always have to keep uh, keep a careful hand and be cautious with not only the assets in front of us, but with the space around us too. So it's a little less rewarding in the sense that there's, you're not going to get a result from just cleaning dishes. But it, of course, it really helps with keeping our blanks low and keeping our uh, samples accurate and precise.
0: My kitchen sink would agree that I'm not a fan of cleaning dishes either. <laughs> Um. Oh, have you ever burnt yourself with acid?
1: Thankfully, not, or at least, <laughs> and maybe it was so surface level or dilute that I haven't noticed. But uh, that isn't to say that I, I, haven't come into contact with acids in my first two years of undergraduate chemistry. My, <laughs> I had to get a new lab coat as it was just riddled with acid holes.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> That's almost a badge of honor, <laughs> for sure. Now, I'm curious, uh, do you identify as belonging to any underrepresented communities? And if so, has that affected your studies or your career in any way?
1: I would say that as an Asian North American male, we statistically aren't considered to be in <clears throat> underrepresented communities. But that isn't to say that I am, in a way. The term Asian American, Asian North American, Asian Canadian uh, is an umbrella term that com- encompasses a whole wide range of countries from East to Southeast Asia, to the Indian subcontinent, to the Pacific Islands. And while I identify myself as a Filipino-Canadian, I'm not sure if we're statistically considered to be an underrepresented group. But I'm uh, fortunate to say that my ethnic background hasn't really impacted uh, my career moving forward.
0: Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Do you feel that chemistry is really open and welcoming or is it more closed off and insular or is it both?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say both. Chemistry, of course, is, uh, well, admissions wise, it was (laughs) not too hard to uh, get in, but it was a little tough staying in. There's just so so much disciplines that you have to learn from analytical, organic, inorganic, and physical. And these disciplines just call on so much expertise in so many different fields from physics to... uh, to, you know, organic chemistry, which I hear is the bane for many students. But actually, I find that geochemistry here at EOAS has been extremely welcoming, especially to someone who's willing to spend the long hours in the lab working with these dangerous acids. But, uh, you know, working both in chemistry and here in EOAS, I've never felt unwelcome. I've always felt like I've had uh, resources to help me with any problems I've had as a student. There's just so much programs from o- older students, from TAs, and even from professors, that they invite you to come because even they know it's it's a tough subject to uh, learn from. And here in e- e- UAS, uh, all the students that I've met, all the researchers and faculty members, everyone is just so knowledgeable and so enthusiastic, and just so kind and patient with me while I'm while I was learning the ropes here.
0: Excellent. Yeah, we've got a very, um, a very kind uh, group of people here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing we've all had to deal with for the past few years has been, of course, the pandemic. Um, did it affect your work? Were you able to keep working uh, through the, the shutdowns?
1: So when the, <clears throat> when the EOS main building was evacuated in order to prevent the spread of the virus, of course, uh, I didn't have much chance to work in the lab or work on the instrument. We did end up setting up a system that allows us to work on the instruments remotely. But in ultimately, we had to be back in the lab so I can prepare the samples, so I could load the instrument. And that was true for all of us working with uh, samples and instruments or who needed a clean lab bench top with <laughs> acids and protective gear. Eventually, we were able to come back into the labs and while, you know, PCIGR has many different labs and we were able to stay isolated and away from each other to stay safe, it was, you know, pretty lonely just working in a lab. And once I leave the lab, it's just <laughs> back home into my bubble. And of course, it was extremely important to stay safe, but it was also for me pretty challenging. As I mentioned before, I really liked talking with other scientists, with the students. And so, yeah, the, the years of... uh the COVID isolation, or at least the peak of it, was uh, pretty lonely. But now I think it's getting definitely closer closer to normal. I'm de- not saying that we shouldn't be careful with uh, these um, viruses and diseases, just seem- seemingly running amok around us. But it's definitely yeah closer to what it was pre-COVID times.
0: I can imagine that um, re- doing the same repetitive kind of work over and over again, um is fun when you have people to talk to and and to stimulate you. Um, but if there's no one else there, it can uh, magnify the loneliness.
1: Absolutely, especially up here in these clean lab walls. It's just the fans droning on to make sure that air is pumped through. and so it's kind of just you and uh, the samples in front of you. Uh, and we uh, Dominique donated to the lab some very nice speakers, but you know it's uh, <laughs> I think I prefer some human interaction from time to time.
0: I'm picturing um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, (laughs) that stark white environment with no one else around, (laughs) just the hum of the machinery.
1: It's pretty much exactly
0: that. (laughs) If anyone's listening to you right now and would like to follow in your footsteps, what uh, advice or courses or background would you recommend that they pursue?
1: Well, if you'd like to have a broad knowledge of chemistry, of course, (laughs) going into the chemistry department is the way to go. But for working here at PCIGR, if you'd like to know more about the um geochemistry side of things taking classes in geochemistry would be a a great help and i know that my background in chemistry has like definitely helped with learning all these previously unfamiliar methods with not only the instrument with, with benchtop work but yeah just um i guess taking a broad broad range of classes that pertain to your interest would be the way to go. And not only just classes, but with doing field work, getting out to the world and doing some real world applications would be a great way to find what you'd like to do.
0: Excellent. Great answer. So I'm going to get you to look to the long term. Um, you're still relatively at the, the beginning of your career. Um, what would you like to have as your professional legacy when you retire? <laughs>
1: imagine this is a tough question for many people early in their career absolutely (laughs) uh for now at the very least i guess i just like to be known for to be a chemist who just adhered to to doing good good analytical work keeping you know my samples clean leading by example and uh, just leaving behind data that other researchers are happy with and as long as they as long as the collaborators we work with uh, leave PCIGR happy and content with their data and the data is like, you know, accurate, precise, low on background, then I'd, I'd be pretty happy with <laughs> just leaving with my work like that.
0: Excellent. I think that's a great goal. I was talking to a geochemist the other day, and they were telling me about um, one of their colleagues from years and years back and complaining that uh, this colleague um, cut corners and uh, wasn't precise, uh, even though his results were always pretty good. Um, But they were saying, well, that's that's not the way you do things.
1: Oh, no, for sure. Like, sure, you can cut corners and sure, your data still might be pretty good. But like I said, I wanted to lead by example, maybe if that person was going to teach, you know, someone who wanted to follow in their footsteps, and they learn all these bad habits, and maybe they and their results aren't as precise, of course, that the newcomer will be pretty frustrated thinking, why can't I be as good as this person when, of course, experience might have a hand in that uh, in those great results. But it's a it's a you know a slippery slope of if you cut, when you cut corners.
0: The uh, journey is just as important as the uh, end result. Absolutely. I'm also going to get you to look forward to the um, the future of your uh, your field. The field that a person enters at the beginning of their career can be completely un- unrecognizable by the time that they retire. I'm sure you won't recognize uh, lab work when you retire. Uh, but you've been in this game for. A decent amount of time now. Uh, what changes do you see coming to lab work, and um, what advice do you have for young people uh, so they can anticipate some of those changes and get ahead of them?
1: Well, uh, <clears throat> this question there's uh, two ways we can go about it. One way, my um, my job might be completely outclassed with the uh, with the advent of stronger in situ laser analysis, which means that there maybe one day there might not be a need for for such uh, long days in the lab. But at the same time, the instruments that take advantage of these chemically pure samples, they're also growing in, well not growing, but they're also improving their sensitivity, their accuracy and their precisions as well as all instruments are. And historically, I think that new breakthroughs in science always followed Uh, upgrades and improvements to existing technology. So yeah, as I say, upgrades, I think it's very important for students to have the fundamentals uh, of their science, because most of the science that we do now are based on decades old uh, scientific principles. So as long as, you know, students have a great foundation of the basics, then I think they can uh, prepare for for any changes in the world,
0: that's great advice no matter what the field. Um, learn the fundamentals. Don't get uh, sidetracked by some of the flashy trends um, because the foundation work is always going to be needed. Dave, those are all the questions I have for you for today. Is there anything I missed or anything you want to add before I let you go?
1: I just wanted to say that this is a great program. I, I love hearing about all the, <laughs> all the, um, stories that you've posted on this podcast. And I'd sincerely like to thank you for having me on here.
0: Of course. Thanks for coming. And thanks for sharing your, um, your stories. Thanks for giving, giving us a peek behind the curtain of PCIGR, where they really do make magic happen. Um, and just thanks for making time for us today. Thank you for listening to On Earth. On Earth is hosted by me and produced by myself, Kirsten Hodge, our editor, Sarah Robertson, and Ollie Beebe designed our logo. On Earth is made possible thanks to the generous support of the Department of Earth, Ocean, and Atmospheric Sciences here at the University of British Columbia. For more episodes like this one, please visit our website at pme.ubc.ca slash learn slash podcast or listen in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts and see you next week here on earth.